Well, Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, I tell you what, I'm looking forward to 2022. Hope you had a good celebration bringing in this new year. And uh, I, I trust that the Lord's going to have a lot of good things for us as we uh, as we move into 2022. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, hey, if there's some challenging things that come up, let's just know that uh, we can look to God and trust him and he'll and he'll bring us through. So uh, anyway, uh, happy new year. So, hey, let's get right into the message. Uh, what, what I like to do uh, the first of every year is, is I have a message that I preach and it's titled uh, First. And, and really what it's about is, is first things, the importance of keeping God first. And you know, I can't think of a better message to preach uh, around the first of every year is, is talk about first. So uh, let's get into the Word of God and see what the Word of God has to say about first things and, uh, and, and the importance of keeping God first. So let's go to... Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, the Lord Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And of course, the things that the Lord's talking about here are the necessities of life. And of course, we all need the necessities of life. But he says to not seek those things first. He said, in fact, he doesn't even talk about seeking those things. He talks about seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. And if we'll do that, then all the necessities of life, God will uh, will add to us. So, you know, I think that's probably the best scripture we could, could start the new year off with is just a good reminder that what we need to do is uh, seek first God and his kingdom, and, and his righteousness. And if we'll do that, then he'll see to it that all the necessities of life are added to us. And, and you know, another verse that goes along with this in the Old Testament is Proverbs 8, verses 17 through 19. The Bible says, uh, the Lord says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early, or we could say first, those who seek me early or those who seek me first shall find me. Now, I tell you what, I want to find the Lord. How about you? And uh, the way to do that is to seek him early. Now, sometimes people think that they have to get up, you know, at four o'clock in the morning to seek the Lord. Now, there's nothing wrong with that if, if, <laughs> if you're an early riser, but I'm not too much of an early riser. Now, my wife is, but, uh, but you know, she likes to get up early, but then she likes to, to, to go to bed early, but I'm just the reverse you know, I, I like to sleep in and then, and then I'm, you know, I'm wide awake, ready to go at like 10, 10, 30 in the evening when my wife's ready to go to bed. But, but, you know, so some people say, well, you got to get up four o'clock in the morning and seek the Lord. And there's nothing wrong with that. Some people do well with that. I, I don't, I do better seeking the Lord at, you know, 10, 30, 11, 11, 30, 12, midnight. You know, I do better there, but that's not the point here. The point here is, is when he says early, I think what he's talking about is putting God first, seeking him first. Those who seek me first will find me. Oh, and find the Lord. I tell you what, uh, there's nothing like it. But, uh, I, you know, I also heard a minister say this one time. He said uh, the reason that the Bible says uh, to seek the Lord early, and I like this, he said to seek the Lord early so we, we should seek the Lord early so we don't mess up late. 
And you know, you think about that. that. That's a pretty good statement, isn't it? We should seek the Lord early so that we don't mess up late. And I tell you what, if we'll seek the Lord early, seek him first, find out what he wants us to do and do it, then we won't mess up later on. So I, I always like that. But, but notice here, that was Proverbs 8, verse 17. He said, those who seek me early will find me. But then notice how this goes along with Matthew 6, 33, which we just read. He says, those who seek the Lord will find him, and then riches and honor are with me, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, than fine gold, and my revenue better than choice silver. So you think about that, how that goes along with Matthew 6, 33. If we'll seek the Lord first and put him first in our lives, then he'll, he'll, he'll add the necessities of life to us, and not only the necessities of life, but I tell you what, when you start reading about, uh, uh, well, riches, I mean, <laughs> that's more than the necessities of life. Honor, which really is even far better than riches. And, but then he's, but he's talking about, he's talking about durable riches and, and, well, righteousness. See, that's better than riches, but he's talking, about, he's talking about riches and, uh, he's talking about gold and, and choice silver. I mean, you know, obviously God's, uh, you know, honor, from the Lord and his righteousness is far better than, than, than financial blessing. But I tell you what, you seek the Lord, keep him first. He'll not only add the necessities of life to you. Well, first of all, he'll add honor to you. He'll add righteousness to you and all of that. Wonderful things, most important. But then on top of that, you get the necessities of life. And then he'll run you. I mean, he'll run your bucket over, man. I tell you what, he'll, he'll add the gold and the silver and, and all that nice, nice stuff. Not, and, not, and again, the motive is so important with this. It's not just so that we'll be blessed, but, uh, but God wants us to do well, certainly, obviously. You read the Bible, he takes pleasure at the prosperity of his servants. But he wants us blessed so that, yeah, so that we have it nice, but also so we can bless others. But I'm just trying to tell you, it, see, a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll seek money. They'll seek after the riches, and they'll seek after the gold and the silver, and and, and so many don't ever get it. And, and frankly, some that do, and they get it, they obtain it, but they don't have the Lord, and they're just pretty much, you know, maybe happy for a while, but wind up being miserable with it. But you see, and so many that seek the gold and the money and all that, apart from God, they don't get it anyway. But I tell you what, it, 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 but if they do get it, they're usually miserable. But hey, seek God first, put Him first, and uh, hey, make a resolution to the Lord this year and do it all year long. Seek Him first. I tell you what, he will bless you. He'll add the necessities of life to you. He'll add the other the riches and all that. But not only that, uh, uh, I mean, there'll be, there'll be such a peace with it that passes all understanding. And, and, and you'll be blessed. He'll bless you. And, uh, and you'll be a blessing to others. So seek God first. It's, it's, it's what we need to do. You know, and then as we go on here, um, you know, the first commandment, is, you know, you should, we should know the Ten Commandments, right? And the first one is, you shall have no other gods before me. So the first commandment is to keep God first. Now think about that. The first commandment of the Ten Commandments is to keep God first. You shall have no other gods before me. And, and, you know, frankly, uh, we can really test ourselves. I used to be a school teacher and I, I always like to give the students a little self-test. And, uh, and, I, and I like to uh, give myself little self-tests, you know, as I go through life. And, uh, um, 
you know, self-test better than a pop quiz. I, <laughs> I never did like those pop quizzes. But anyway, um, we can test ourselves to see whether or not we're keeping God first in our lives. And uh, uh, let me ask you a question. So this is a little self-test. How are you treating God's house? You know, the church, the local church. Uh, you can tell, you can tell, you know, pastoring a church 27 years, almost three decades, you know, I, I watch people treat the house of God a lot of different ways. And I learned this one thing among many other things, but the way people really feel about the Lord is the way they treat his house. So if you look at how somebody treats the house of God, you could really tell pretty, pretty close how they feel about the Lord. You really can. And, uh, you know, as far as church attendance and church service and the volunteering in the church and so forth, you know, how, how one treats God's work. And then also you can tell a lot about, you know, uh, where a person stands with the Lord as to how they, uh, uh, what they do with their money, what they do with their money. You know, uh, uh, if, if somebody's heart is in the things of God, their money will follow that. And, uh, uh, you know, you can, you can learn a lot about yourself as to where God stands in your life, as to whether or not he's first, is by where you put your money. It, it's, it's really the truth. It really, really is. And, uh, you know, uh, people that just, uh, you know, tip, T-I-P, tip the house of God when they go, if they go, person that doesn't attend church regularly, you know, um, obviously, you know, <laughs> they're not keeping God first in their life. But then also too, I've watched so many people over the years, they just tip God, give them a little tip, you know, when they go to church and, and, uh, just the offering basket goes by and, and they just, you know, I don't, you know, I never really watched what people gave over all the years. I never, I mean, I really never did. I, I, but, uh, but you know, somebody who is watching the offering basket is Jesus. He, he really is. You know, you, there's a, remember when that woman cast in the two mites, you know, the, remember that? And the Bible said Jesus was there watching the folk put in their, their offerings into the treasury of the Lord. And he was impressed by the lady who put in the two mites. Remember that? The point here is, is that Jesus is watching the offering baskets, you know. And, uh, and anyway, the point is we can tell a lot about ourselves as to how we handle money as it pertains to giving to the, to the work of God. I think of the rich young ruler, you know, he came to Jesus and, uh, and, you know, wanted to know how to obtain eternal life. And, and basically, you know, uh, 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 you know, the Lord talked to him about the commandments and all of that. And, and he had thought that he'd kept, this rich young ruler thought he'd kept all the commandments. And then the Lord said to him, he said, go sell what you have and give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Take up the cross, come follow me, and so forth. And you know that young man couldn't do it. And the Bible tells us why. It's because he had great possessions, but obviously those possessions had him. And uh, and actually, and he couldn't walk away from the possessions to follow the Lord. And uh, see, see, money was a test there as to see who was first in his life, and it obviously wasn't the Lord. And really, the Lord was trying to get this young man to see that not only, you know, the young man thought he'd kept all those commandments, and the Lord was trying to get him to see he hadn't even kept the first commandment of keeping God first. See, the money was first in his life. And see, again, I want to say this, you know, it's not wrong for us to have money, but it's wrong when money has us. And the way you can know if money has you is this. 
if the Lord, now I didn't say the pastor or some TV minister, but if the Lord Jesus impresses upon your heart to give money away and you can't do it, then money has you. You don't really have it. I tell you what, that's that's something to think about. But anyway, so we can tell whether or not God is first in our life by the way we uh, treat the house of God in our in our service and in, in, in the way we handle our money as it pertains to the house of God and the work of God. Um, you know, uh, speaking of uh, church attendance, uh, it's interesting in the in the early church, you know, like back in Acts, the 20th chapter, verse 7, says, now on the first day of the week, well, that's, that's Sunday, first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, and then it goes on and says some things. But the point here is, is that the early church, they set aside the uh, first day of the week as the, as the Lord's day, and that's when they came and gathered together and assembled. And uh, so, you know, we can tell a lot about where God stands with us or where we stand with him, as I should say, as far as keeping him first as to what we do on the first day of the week. What do we do? Now, this nation, the United States, it used to be Sundays. You go out on a Sunday, it was deader than a doornail out there. I mean, when I was a kid growing up, I mean, all the stores were closed down. I mean, it was, it was deader than a doornail. And, and that was a good thing because everything was shut down in honor of the Lord. But over the last decades, now here in the United States, you know, Sunday's no different than any other day of the week. And everything's open, everything's running and going. And, you know, that's sad. It's sad. We, The United States as a whole has moved away from the, the things of God. But uh, but what do you do on the first day of the week? Do you? That's the Lord's day. Do you, do you, I always, I always told folks this, I still do. You know, the first, the first thing to do on the first day of the week is to put God first and go to the house of God and honor him with your worship, with your attendance, with your worship, with you know, and, and with your service, and with your with your financial uh, 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 offering, you see, and you can sure tell a lot about folk as to what they do on the first day of the week. You can tell a lot about yourself. Remember a little self test here as I go through this message. Just check yourself, see how you're doing on keeping God first. You know, uh, speaking of offerings, uh, if you go to the book of Haggai. Haggai, H-A-G-G-A-I, Haggai, however you want to say that. And I'm going to read some verses here about people who, now listen, these people did not put God's house first. They didn't. And just, just read, let me read this to you. Very interesting. Haggai chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, New Living Translation. So then the Lord sent this message to the prophet Haggai, to, to the people. He said, why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins. See, God has no problem with his people living in luxurious houses, but he has a problem with it if those people are allowing God's house to lay in ruins. And that was what was happening here. He says, this is what the Lord says. Look at, he says, look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. Think about that. Has anybody out there ever felt like that? You know, you earn your wages and before, you know, before the end of the week, the money's, the money's gone. Think about that. This is what the Lord says. Look at what's happening to you. He says, go up to the hills, bring down timber, rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. 
you hoped for a rich harvest, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Think about that. You don't want the Lord blowing on your harvest. I mean, he'll be blowing away. And then he says, why? He says, and then he answers it, because my house lays in, lies in ruins, says the Lord. While all of you are busy building your own fine houses. Again, God's not against you having a nice fine house. But, but he is against it if, if you're doing that and you're, you're neglecting his house. You know, I learned a long time ago, if you build a house of God, he'll take care of building your house. And that's what happened in my life. I tell you what, me and my wife, we, we, we started out, we built a house of God and built a work for him. And, and I tell you what, he took care of building our house. I mean, yeah, we had to do things and whatnot. But I tell you what, again and again, when we built our house, our, our, you know, our house, I mean, we, we'd order things and things would show up and my wife and I look at each other and we said, well, that's, that's, that's not what we ordered, but that's what showed up and that's what, I mean, it was just the right thing that came and that happened again and again and again and again. See, see, we built the house of God and God took care of, of building, of, of building ours. He really did. He really helped us. Uh, but you see, um, these people here were built, busy building their own, their own houses and they were leaving the house of God undone and all these bad things were happening to them. And, and he says here, he says, he says, why is all this happening to you people that are neglecting my house? Here in verse 10, it's because you have, uh, it's because, it's because of you that the heavens withhold the dew and the earth produces no crops. My goodness. See, they were, they really put themselves under a curse because they were not, uh, keeping God first. He says that, verse 11, God says, I call for a drought on your fields and hills, hills, a drought to wither the grain and grapes and olive trees and all your other crops, a drought to starve you and your livestock and to ruin everything you have worked so hard to get. Think about that. You don't want God doing that. So what do you have to do? Keep him first. Just, just invest in his house. Be, be uh, more industrious really about building his house. You know, and, and, then, and then when you turn to build your house, he'll help you with it. But he, he's not against anybody having a nice, nice things and a nice home and all that. He just wants us to keep him first. And I tell you what, we ought to keep him first. I mean, he's God. I mean, if, I mean, look, I mean, if it wasn't for him, we couldn't, we wouldn't even be here. We couldn't even breathe. He provides oxygen and we could go on and on with that. You understand what I'm trying to say. So we need to keep his, we need to keep God first, okay? And, and one way you do that is by keeping his house first, okay? In your attendance, in your service, in your financial support, and, and, and so forth, you know. Now, uh, in Proverbs 3, the Bible talks here about Proverbs, Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. See, the first fruits, the first part. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So if we'll just keep God first, and, and, and when we get increased, we need to take of that increase and give a portion of that to the Lord. You know, the Bible talks about tithing, and I believe that's what this is talking about to us, talking about to us here as it would come into the New Testament. And see, see, for I'm going to teach when we get a little bit further here. In fact, I may start it next week, talk to you about uh, uh, the hundredfold return and the first fruits and things like that. I, it's just been on my heart to say some things about uh, about offerings and whatnot and what it all really means. But in the Old Testament, they were an agrarian and agricultural society. And so first fruits back then, uh, uh, it's a little bit of difference back then to what it means uh, in the New Testament. 
But the first fruits here, as you move it into the New Testament, has to do, I believe, with the tithe. The tithe is, it means 10%, and that first tenth that comes in should be set aside and given to the Lord. And it's not, see, a lot of people think that tithing is, is a, uh, uh, and I want to say some things about it as we, perhaps starting next week, a lot of people think it's a, it's a curse, but really it's not, it's a blessing. It's, a tithe is a word of blessing. And, um, and, and so I, I, I'm not going to get into it now, but I think I'm going to say some more about it as we move along here in the next couple of weeks. But what this is talking about as it pertains to the New Testament, I believe, is talking about our, the tithe, you know, the first part of our increase that we're supposed to give that, uh, you know, you give that to the Lord and, and honor him with it. And if we'll do that, the barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. The book of Malachi says that he'll open the windows of heaven and pour us out a blessing that... We won't have room enough to receive it and all of that. So see, God, a lot of people think God's trying to just get their money. No, I'll tell you what, what he's trying to do is, is if we'll just honor him, keep him first, then he opens up the blessings to us so that we have it good and so that we can help other people. And uh, But anyway, the, he says, honor the Lord, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. See, that's keeping God first. Giving when you, we increase and we give him the first part of that. And I tell you what, if we'll do that, he'll see to it that, that our barns are filled with plenty and our vats overflow with, with with new wine, blessing, and so forth is what that's talking about. You know, I think about when the children of Israel, when uh, they came across, you know, Moses had died, Joshua took over, they came across the Jordan and they're headed into the promised land. And they came up against that city, that first city, Jericho, first city. See, there it is, that first city, Jericho. Remember what God told them? He said that all the spoil, all the, all the treasury and all the, uh, the, the, the things in that first city were supposed to go into the treasury of the Lord. See, they were supposed to keep God first. And, uh, and it's interesting, all the other cities, God told them that they could take the, take the treasury and the spoil of all those other cities, but God required the first, the first city. And remember, there was that man named Achan, and uh, he, had, he had stole some of the, the things that should have went into the treasury of the Lord. And it caused, it caused the, it affected the whole camp of Israel. And they went up then against that next town, that small city of Ai, and they suffered a great defeat. So let me ask you, are you suffering defeats in your life? Well, could it be that you're not keeping God first? And it's interesting that once uh, once they uh, Joshua sought the Lord and they got that situation with Achan who stole what belonged to God, uh, once they got that squared away, then they uh, went on and defeated Ai and, and, and all those other cities. See, God told them, again, I want to say it, you can have all the, all the treasury of all those other cities, but God just required the first, see, the first. And if we'll just do that, give God the first, you know, it's like the tithe. I heard this years ago, and it's so good. It's a 10%, and, and a minister said this. He said he'd rather have a blessed 90% than a cursed 100%. Now, you think about that. Now, it's so true, isn't it? Wouldn't you rather have 90% that's blessed than have 100% that's cursed? I mean, it, it, but, but folk, God bless them. You know, and by the way, while we're on it, giving to the Lord, tithing, you know, it doesn't make any sense to the to the to the to the natural brain. You know, I, I used to be a math teacher, you know, as I think I may have said a while ago. And and you know, how can you give money away and uh and 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 and, and increase? 
but it's a spiritual principle. You'll never be able to figure it out with your brain. It's a spiritual thing that happens. And when you, when you give to the Lord and the work of the Lord, God starts moving. And I tell you what, I, you can do more with a blessed 90% than you can with a cursed 100. I tell you what, let's give God what's his. And uh, I like what another minister said. He said, if we'll give God what's his, then the devil won't get what's ours. Now you think about that. I want to say that again. If you'll give God what's his, then the devil won't get what's yours. Well, I like that. that that's a good statement. But anyway, so we're talking about keeping God first. I'm just starting to get happy here. Uh, I get happy when I teach the word of God. Hey, uh, go to Genesis, the fourth chapter. Genesis, the fourth chapter. And we'll see here, uh, you've heard of Cain and Abel. Well, notice in Genesis 4, verse 3, it says, In the process of time it came to pass, Cain brought an offering of the, of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. That means the best. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Well, now, why did God accept the one offering of Abel's and not the offering of Cain. Now, we could talk, I could say a lot about it, but just for this message, it's interesting. Abel brought the first and the best of his, uh, of what he had to the Lord. He brought the first and the best. And since that's emphasized here, it's clear to me that Cain did not. Now, there's much we can say about it, but Cain clearly did not bring the first and the best. If Cain had brought the first and the best, God would have honored it just like he honored Abel's. But Cain didn't do that. But Abel did. Abel brought the first and the best of his, of his uh, uh, flock to the Lord. And God honored it. And you know, the New Testament tells us that Abel offered his offering to God by faith. And if you think about it, it takes faith to give God your first and your best. It really, really, really does. If you just, you ought to think about that for a while. That it, it takes faith to give God your first and your best. You know, it doesn't take any faith to give God, you know, something that doesn't mean anything to you. Or it doesn't take any faith to give God your junk, something you don't want anymore. But I tell you what, it takes faith to, it really does to give God, to give you know, to, to, to your local church or to a fellow believer or to someone else that God directs you to give to. It, you know, it takes faith. Now, if you got an old junk suit that you haven't worn in years, you know, you know, it no, it doesn't take any faith to give that away. But what about your nice new suit or your nice new whatever it is, and God moves on your heart to give that away? Now, it takes faith to do that. But I tell you what, now, if you can do it, then that's a, that's a little self-test here. It's showing you're keeping God first. If you can't give it away when the Lord directs you to, now, you know, now that thing's got you. You don't have it, and you're not keeping God first, you see. But Abel was able to give his first and his best. He did it by faith. He, he did it by faith. You know, uh, speaking of Abel and giving the first and the best of his flock, it's interesting here, if you go to the book of Malachi, this never ceases to amaze me. And usually when you turn to Malachi, you know, typically preachers are talking about tithing. And, and there's a great lesson in there in, in the book of Malachi about tithing. And I think I'll be getting to that, as I said, as we move along here in the next weeks ahead. But 
there's something else that seldom, get, seldom gets read here in Malachi. And, and I think it's worth reading here in the New Living Translation, Malachi 1 verse 6. says, the Lord, uh, the Lord says to the priests, a son honors his, honors his father and a servant respects his master. He said, if I'm your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name, but you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? And then the Lord says, you have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? You defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect and so forth. But watch this here at verse 8. Now watch what these people were doing. Now this is just unbelievable, unbelievable to me, but, but, I get, but I've watched people do this over the last 27 years, not with animals, but with, with finances and other things. You know, watch this. Verse 8, when you, here's what the people were doing. When you give blind animal, blind animals the sacrifices. You think about that. The Lord says, isn't that wrong? Well, of course it's wrong. And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Think about that. These people were bringing crippled and diseased animals to the, to the house of God, to the temple to give to the Lord. He says, try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how, how pleased he is, says the Lord. Think about that. Go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you, but when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all? Ask the Lord. And then he says, "How I wish, God says, how I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. He said, I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord, and I will not accept your offerings. Did you know there's offerings God won't accept? He won't accept your junk. He, he won't accept my junk. Absolutely, he will not. And that's what the people were doing. They were bringing God their junk. I mean, they were bringing him diseased and crippled and blind animals. That wasn't acceptable to the Lord. See, it took no faith. The people had no faith. See, it, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. It, there was no faith. These people had no faith when they brought, they were bringing God junk. It doesn't take faith to bring junk, you know? But I tell you, like Abel, he had faith because it takes faith to give your first and your best. And, uh, but anyway, God's not pleased here at all. And then verse 11, he said, my name is honored by people of other nations from morning till night, all around the world, they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name, for my name is great among the nations, says the Lord. But you talking to his people, he says, but you dishonor my name with your actions by bringing contemptible food. You're saying it's all right to defile the Lord's table. You say it's too hard to serve the Lord and you turn up your noses at my command, says the Lord. Think of it. Animals, listen to this. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented as offerings. You know, I, I, I'm kind of chuckling. I shouldn't be chuckling. It's not funny, but I mean, I mean I'm chuckling because why would people do that? They're bringing animals, they're stealing animals. I mean, what kind of an offering is that on the way to church? You stop off, rob a bank, and then bring that money and offer it to the Lord. I mean, that won't do. That's not going to cut it. But think of it. God says, think of it. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick, you're presenting as offerings. He said, should I? I mean, it's unbelievable what people will do, but they'll do that. They'll do that kind of thing. And they were doing it. And God wasn't pleased with it. He said, should I accept from you such offerings as these, asked the Lord? He said, cursed is the cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. And the Lord is not pleased with it. 
He says, I'm a great king, says the Lord, and my name is to be feared among the nations. So if you really fear the name of the Lord, and that word fear means respect. If you really respect and honor the Lord, you're not going to be giving him your broken down junk. You're not going to be just tipping him when the offering bucket goes by. You're going to be giving God your first and your best. And friends, it's not about him getting our first and our best. It's not about him getting things from us. A spiritual principle is enacted when we in faith give God our first and our best. And that spiritual principle is, is God opens the windows of heaven and he pours out a blessing and he blesses our 90%. He blesses, he, you know, we give God what's his and he blesses then what's ours. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And uh, uh, now uh, a couple other things real quickly here about first. It's interesting here. Uh, remember in the Old Testament, there was a prophet named Elijah and there was a famine going on and all of that. And anyway, in the process of time, he winds up over at this widow's house and she's in bad shape. She doesn't have, because of the famine, she doesn't have any food and and not much oil and, and just right down, you know, to bake with and all. And she's right down to her on bare bones, almost nothing left. And, 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 and Elijah shows up and, uh, and, and he, he says to her, he says, uh, he says, you know, essentially bring me some food. And she says, she says, I don't have any bread. She said, I only have a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And she said, I'm gathering this, some sticks here, and I'm going to go prepare what little food I do have for my son. We're going to eat it, and then we're out of food, then eventually we're going to die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. She was supposed to bring the man of God. Now, this was a for real man of God. He wasn't trying to build money out of her. He wasn't trying to bilk things out of her. This was a for real prophet. And he said, make me a cake from it first. Now, people who don't understand God or this things of God, the message I'm teaching today, they're going to say, well, this guy was just trying, this preacher was just trying to get her, her money. Well, listen, friends, sad to say there's a lot of preachers out there on media ministries and whatnot that are just trying to get your money. And that's very, very tragic. I'm going to say some things about that as we move on here in the next couple of weeks. But this guy here was a for real prophet. And he wasn't trying to get her money. He was trying to get her blessed. He wasn't trying to get her food. He was trying to get her blessed. He really was. Because he understood the principles of God and the way the kingdom of God operates. And he said, don't fear. He said, go do what you said, but make me a small cake from it first. And again, people who don't understand God or the things of God, they're going to come in there and you know pile on Elijah and say, oh, you're just trying to get that lady's, you know, what little food she does have and there are preachers that do that, but this wasn't one of them. This was a for real preacher, a for real preacher, a for real prophet. He said, make me a cake from it first. And notice, he says, thus says the Lord God, the bin of flour will not be used up and the jar of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah and she and her uh, she and her son and her household ate for many days and, and quite a long time. You see, she and she what she did was is she put God first. She treated the man of God, God's servant with respect and honor. Let me ask you, how are you treating God's servants? 
How are you treating your pastor? How are you treating uh, those who God has put over, over you in spiritual authority? You can tell a lot about whether God is first place in your life or not as to how you treat your pastor and your spiritual authority. You know, you talking bad about them behind their back? Well, if you are, you're not keeping God first. And much we can say about it. I'll get into some of these things more as we move along in the next weeks ahead. It's going to be fun. But uh, I hope enlightening to you. But uh, uh, you can tell a lot about where a person stands with God by the way they treat their, their spiritual leaders. Absolutely the truth. And uh, But anyway, this lady did what he said. She gave him the, the, the uh, food first. I tell you what, when she when she enacted the principles of God and kept God first, I tell you what, the miracle power of God went into operation and, and the food just kept producing for many days and, and she didn't wind up starving, but she wound up surviving her and her son. They were blessed. Glory to God. So they, she kept God first. Now let me close with this. Book of Revelation, chapter 2, the first five verses. You have a church here, church in Ephesus. And they had good sound teaching of the word of God. They were sound doctrinally and all of that. But what they had done is something that was very tragic. And notice in verse 4, because the Lord commends them and for some good, good things that they did have. But then he says this. He says, I have this against you. You have left your first love. First love. We're talking about first things today. They left their first love. Who is our first love? Well, it's Jesus. And they now think of it. They had they had the study of the Word of God. They had they had the the teaching of the Word of God. They had you know all these these things, and you can read about it in the, about it in the first several verses. But what they you know you can get so busy. Now now think about this. It's kind of the flip side of what I've been talking about here. You can get so busy serving God that you that you. So you're so busy serving him that you you lose your closeness with him. Now, you know, I, I, I've been in that boat some over the years where you get so busy working for the Lord that you don't, you don't, you're not spending time with the Lord as you should. There's a big difference between serving him, doing the necessities of what the ministry calls for. You get so busy doing all that and you think, well, I'm just doing the work of God, and you are. But in the meantime, if you're not watchful, you can lose your closeness with the Lord. I didn't say lose your salvation. I said lose the closeness that you have with the Lord. And that's what happened to these people. And he said, you've lost your first love. And they weren't, they weren't as close to him as they were at the beginning. And he said, remember where, from where you've fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I'll come to you quickly, remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. And he was talking about shutting their church down, and he eventually, they ultimately didn't repent, and he, he ultimately shut them down. See how important first things are? Hey, you don't want God shutting things down in your life. So, hey, keep him first. And above all else, keep your fellowship with Jesus first. Don't be like, like uh, this church in Ephesus here where they had, they had lost their closeness with the Lord, okay? So keep Jesus first, okay? So, hey, I trust that this helped you today. I, uh, I, I, I hope you passed the self-test that you were supposed to be giving yourself as we went through. And I hope you could answer yes to all these things, you know, as to, 
All right, let me put it another way. I hope you've been doing what you're supposed to be doing and not doing what you're not supposed to be doing, okay? And uh, anyway, hey, keep Jesus first, okay? Now, hey, if you're out there today and you don't know the Lord, I want to invite you to receive him into your, into your life. Remember, there's a heaven to gain. There is a hell to shun. And the only way to miss hell and make heaven is to repent of your sins and call on the name of the Lord Jesus. Invite him into your life. He'll come in there. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven. And he'll make your worth, he'll make your life worth living in the meantime. He really, really will. So, hey, serious thing, receive Jesus and receive him if you haven't, okay? God bless you. And, hey, I look forward to being with you next week. I got some good things coming down the road here. And we're going to start talking about, uh, like I said, the hundredfold return and, and, and some other things. And, man, it's going to be, I think, enlightening to you. So, hey, I'll see you next, uh, next Sunday. And Happy New Year. God bless you. Bye-bye.